Good morning, good evening, and good day, no matter where or when you are in the world. Welcome to Musings with Mel, a Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to card design and everything that we love about Magic the Gathering. My name is Matthew Banner, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Jerry Riggs. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jerry. How you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing very well as well. So this is technically our inaugural episode. So with that in mind, let's do some introductions. Uh, Jerry, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? I'm Jerry Riggs. I am a limited enthusiast. That is my preferred way to accumulate magic cards and play magic, usually. I find limited formats to be more varied and that constructed formats quickly become pretty routine and you settle into these established lines of play, even with complicated modern decks. Uh, I have drafted enough that I've got some modern decks, so I call myself a modern lurker. (laughs) And I just picked up Arena, and I've been enjoying that lately. Just a modern lurker, right? Not a Gadul lurker? Yeah, that's correct. So I can't say that I've ever gotten into Arena, but I do agree with you on the point of... I don't know, I've always found constructed formats interesting, but... Obviously, in this day and age, the meta gets solved pretty quickly. And how about you, Matt? So I would say, again, my biggest format is limited. That's what I generally play the most. I really enjoy the different draft formats. Both sealed and draft are awesome. And on top of that, generally, I'll accumulate a lot of cards just from playing limited. And so I use those to build commander decks. I would love to play Constructed, but I really can't bear the thought of rotation and kind of losing out on all those cards. And honestly, Constructed is really expensive, so I've never really made that plunge. It just terrifies me that a new set could come out, and especially with like Modern, suddenly your deck could just be obsolete. I think we've recently seen that with the Tron decks, where suddenly... With Guilds of Ravnica, a bunch of cards came out, and Tron kind of got hosed. And so with that in mind, I have mainly stuck to Limited and Commander. Not really competitive Commander, just fun Commander, which people have different definitions of fun, but that's my preference. So we have a lot to catch up on, right, Matt? Yeah, it has been a very interesting uh, few months since we last recorded, yeah, and, and the biggest news we have is you just top forward GP Denver. Yes, I top forward GP Denver. Uh, it was a team event, and I don't really go to GPs to do well. I kind of go to GPs to have fun, and if I do well, which I haven't ever in the past, then that would be obviously a welcome byproduct, but not kind of a planned or expected one. My team and I did practice in advance, and I guess we practiced enough to do well. We got pretty lucky. We got some really good pools, but overall, I'm pretty excited that we top forward. I guess that means that we're now qualified for the Pro Tour. That's incredible. Yeah, uh, not something I really expected. We're all so very proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I mainly play Magic to have fun, and... This podcast, let's be super clear, is not about competitive magic. It's more about 
what we like about Magic and specifically card design. So I wouldn't say come to this podcast expecting all the hot takes and the standard. I don't know. Apparently, I helped train you up for this uh, this GP high finish. <laughs> so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sell it short. Yeah. Well. Anyways, uh, yeah, so GP Denver was awesome and very unexpected. Uh, honestly, I didn't have a lot of fun during GP Denver, which is the opposite of why I went. So apparently when I'm doing well, I'm not having fun. So maybe I should do worse, but... <laughs> I'm going to remind you of that the next time we practice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to practice for the Pro Tour, so that's a thing I have to oh, man. think I about. I'm super impressed. Like you're in a lot of ways, you're living the dream, right? Like I've taken flyers on the occasional constructed tournament to see if I could make the pro tour and you've done it. So many congratulations, Matt. This is awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I, I guess I wasn't super excited at the time, but now I am. And, and my teammates actually commented that the photo that they took of me, I just look like so sullen and like sulking and brooding and it's not really because I was sad or anything but I had been planning to you know if we day two great that'll be awesome I've never day two an event before but I planned to be leaving at like five so I had a flight booked and so suddenly when we made the top four I had to change my flight and like find a new hotel and stuff and so literally they kept asking me like, okay, we need to take the photo now. We need to take the photo now. And I was like, I, 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 I'm on the phone. I've been trying to like get a hold of the airline for like two hours now. I finally get a hold of them and they want to take this photo. And so they were like, okay, put the phone down for like 10 seconds so we can take this photo. And so I do not look happy in it. <laughs> but I am happy. I mean, I'm excited. I just... Uh, Apparently did not portray that very well because I was distracted. Oh, man. I should have stepped in as your travel agent much sooner. No, no, no. It, it was all good. So you're qualified for the Pro Tour. Yeah. Ravnica Allegiance, right? So they don't do the Pro Tours by set anymore. They're changing them to by location. Okay. Uh, so it's technically Pro Tour Cleveland, and they haven't announced the format yet. It's expected, obviously, that it'll be limited, but the second format, whether that is standard or modern, or I don't know if they do the team-constructed thing again, or whatever that format is, they haven't decided yet. Right As of right now, it's just GP Cleveland. I think it's in February, late February of 2019. Pro Tour Cleveland. Yeah, I haven't, haven't seen a date. The only thing I saw online, I saw it as... Um... It was listed as Pro Tour Ravnica Allegiance, and I could find zero details about it. Yeah, so... More info to come. Exactly. And it's kind of sad. It's like, oh, sweet, I get to be on the Pro Tour. I get to go to Cleveland? Like, I think the one after it is Pro Tour London or something, and it's like, man, that would be cool. I've never <laughs> been a, never left the country or anything. But, um, yeah, so I'm excited. Certainly not going to besmirch getting on the pro tour yeah that's what's up with me but i don't i don't think that's really the big news what else do we have going on well guilds of ravnica is out and we love it right yeah guilds of ravnica is awesome do you know that you're the only person that has uh 
that has an in-person win over me in a Guilds of Ravnica limited format. I did not know that. <laughs> I mean, that's all of that's all. Was of that our ten rounds deep? Uh, but you're the only person who's handed me a loss in Guilds of Ravnica limited. I'm trying to think. Was that our Solomon draft? <laughs> no, uh, no, it was our. It was that release day Sunday afternoon draft. Oh, that's right. I'm That's right. I'm still mad that you beat that amazing is it deck. It was draft weekend and I had my deck had no right to to win. But March of the Multitudes is just a bonkers card. <laughs> it was I think the only reason I went into Selesnia that draft. Yeah, your your deck was just insane. Like you had what, a bunch of piston fist cyclops. I started on a dream eater and then you passed me amazing just is it stuff? I had Electromancers, Piston Fists, all the, the spells. Yeah, normally I would totally have scooped all those cards up, but in this case, I pack one, picked one to March of the Multitudes and just forced Selesnia. I had to turn down all the all the fun blue cards, but it worked out, I guess. <laughs> it did work out. I did not pass them up, and it didn't quite pan out for me. To be fair, you beat an insane five-color... Niv Mizzet dot deck. Oh my goodness! Right, that deck. That deck was cantrips, ramp, and one Niv Mizzet, and I had to completely sideboard. I I don't know how I beat him game one, and then I sideboarded into every possible removal spell in my pool, <laughs> just in case I saw Niv Mizzet. And just to be clear, he was playing a deck with both Niv Mizzet and Golgari Findbroker. So for oh. those that might not know the cards, Niv-Mizzet is blue, 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 red, red, red. Okay, so triple blue, triple red. And Golgari Findbroker is green, green, black, black. So double green, double black. And he cast both of those spells in the same game I was watching. And you still beat him by the skin of your teeth, but you still beat him. I lost the game where he played Niv-Mizzet twice, yeah, I think I think I had to jumpstart a di- uh, a direct current, the three mana, uh, two damage burn spell, and when I top decked that at the end, I was and he was at four life. I was like, okay, I can do this no matter how many Niv Mizzet triggers he gets. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that one was fun to watch. But yeah, Guilds of Ravnica has been awesome. Uh, I guess that should lead us to our pet card of the week. Uh, I still don't think we're on the biggest topics yet, but. Maybe we'll save those for after. So, pet card of the week. This is a segment where we pick a card design that we love and discuss why we love it. Jerry, what card do you have for us this week? I might have let the cat out of the bag on this one. I picked Piston Fist Cyclops. Uh, This is a hybrid card uh, that costs three mana, one colorless, and then two red or blue. So it's one colorless, is it, is it? Correct, correct. I have no idea how to describe that. Yeah, it's always been confusing. For a 4-3 creature, that seems way overcosted. although we've seen some we've seen some other three mana 4-3s, just not in blue-red. Uh, it has Defender, though, but as long as you've cast an instant or sorcery spell this turn, Piston Fist Cyclops can attack as though it didn't have Defender. So... I was super excited for this card. I've been super excited to play this card. 
it fits very well in this Guilds of Ravnica Is It Guild, uh, where the blue-red mechanic uh, gives you a way to cast your spells from the graveyard. They get exiled, and you have to discard a land to make that happen. That's the jumpstart mechanic. So you get to cast your spells twice. It's a great way to use up extra lands that you've drawn through the course of the game. And it it turns this undercosted wall creature into a super aggressive creature. So I know I've seen is it decks where they play a, a little sorcery, uh, maximize altitude or maximize velocity. Uh, it's this sorcery that you can that you can cast a second time, and it just picks up these undercosted creatures. And the blue one gives it flying, and the red one gives it haste, and it's that's something to deal with when you can do it twice off one card. Yeah, I think that's really the wombo combo, right? Like, maximize altitude, just, okay, get in for five next turn. You know you got to worry about it again because they're going to get in for another five. Like, Yeah, I, uh, I'm i coming to the realization this card may not be as good as I think it is, but it's just so fun to think about. And I think the deck that, that optimizes it might be Beam Splitter Mage, uh, which is a two-drop in Is It that copies spells for other creatures, uh, if you target it with a spell, then it targets another creature you control with that spell, and that it seems more of a of a strange aggro tempo combat trick creature pump deck. Yeah, and what I really like about this design is that it's kind of exploring a new avenue of how do we get spells matter to affect creatures on the board because in the past we've generally gotten the same effect. Like, we generally get the Wee Dragnaughts effect, which, to be fair, Wee Dragnaughts is also in this set, where every time you cast an instant or sorcery, you pump this creature, and then that's it. You know, you put in three or four effects similar to that into the set, and great, you've got a Spells Matter theme. What I like about this set is that we've got a couple of different ways to do that sort of thing, but in a different way. So we've got Piston Fist Cyclops, which is awesome, you know, you turn off Defender, you've got, like you said, Beam Splitter Mage, which, maybe not the strongest card, again, plays into the Spells Matter theme, and then you've got, obviously, the traditional We Dragnaughts effect. We've also got kind of more permanent effects, like the Crackling Drake, which is just an awesome card on its own, but I think they did a really good job of exploring this Instant Sorcery's Spells Matter theme in a new and interesting way where it's not just the default, it increases its power and tough or power or toughness. So I think that this card is a really good representation of an interesting way to delve into that mechanic that obviously it's similar to the past effects, but it takes it in a slightly different way that I think makes it really interesting and unique. Yeah, and for the entrenched magic players out there, this seems like a riff or an evolution of uh, a card that was in is it the last time we were in Ravnica? Return to Ravnica, I believe. It was uh, Nivix Cyclops was a, a three-mana 0-4 defender that had that uh, boost the power when you cast a spell and lose defender. Yeah, and what's nice is this card could be played in either a mono blue deck or a mono red deck or anything in between. It's super interesting. Yeah, and the entire cycle is actually very good because I feel each one of the cards in it basically show you what that deck want to be wants to be doing. Like Pitiless Gorgon, 
obviously says, I'm going to block, eat up some other opponent's creature, but I'm not going to care that my creature dies because it fills up my graveyard. The fresh-faced recruit says, hey, I'm going to have first strike on your turn, so that means you want to be attacking with me. The, um, let's see, there's the Demir card that has flash, which just says, hey, listen, you're going to hold up a counterspell or some removal, and if your opponent doesn't do anything, you're going to flash me in, and you're going to be happy about this Surveil, Whisper Agent. Um, I think that each of the cards in the cycle do a pretty good job of showing what their guild wants to do, and at common. The last one, Vernadi Shieldmate. Again, similar where you say, okay, I want to be able to attack and then convoke this after. The body's a little small, so it doesn't necessarily play to that as well as we'd like, but I think that it's still kind of leaning you in that direction of, okay, I'm Selesnia, I'm Convoke. Yeah, and it's still, for a two-mana creature, 2-2 two, two Vigilance, is, it's a pretty good rate. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like I find myself playing this card more in my Boros decks as just a white creature because, you know, you want a plentiful number of two drops, but overall it still shows you kind of this is what the guild's about. And at common, that's really important because especially during limited formats, either newer players or folks that are just learning the set are going to go, oh, this seems interesting. Like, what does this tell me about this guild? So I think Piston Fist Cyclops is a really cool design. I think that the cycle overall is very effective at what it's trying to do. How about you, Matt? What was your pet card of the week? My pet card of the week, uh, I don't think I could actually have as a pet because it would take up way too much room in my very small apartment. It is Venerated Loxodon, which is a Selesnia card for four and a white. It is a creature, Elephant Cleric at rare, a 4-4 creature with Convoke, and when Venerated Loxodon enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature that Convoked it. And so I think what's really cool about this card is that it takes Convoke in a slightly different direction. I believe this is the third time we've seen Convoke in a set, because as a mechanic, it has a lot of flexibility, and there's just a lot of design space there. And so when we look at a card like Venerated Loxodon, it's cool that there's still enough design space and Convoke that we can get a new ability that we otherwise haven't seen before. In this case, the creatures that are convoking it actually matter for the ability of the card. Yeah, normally you think of Convoke as a way to use your, your curve-out creatures to drop a big creature much faster than you anticipated. And while you are getting a decent rate on a 4-4 creature here, what you're really getting is a buff for all of those small creatures that you played to convoke this out. Right, exactly. And so the card itself says, hey, you have to make an interesting decision now. If you've got attackers or creatures that you'd otherwise want to be using, well, I could attack with them this turn, but if I wait a turn, I can effectively almost create a permanent anthem on them where they get plus one, plus one, and maybe they're more effective attackers the next turn. So it gives you kind of the best of both worlds where, you know, okay, well, normally I don't want to attack with, or I don't want to convoke with this creature because I want to be attacking with it. But now I go, well, I can attack with it better next turn and have this other creature around. I think it's just a really interesting direction to take the convoke mechanic. They've definitely created a lot of convoke cards between three different sets, but I always find it interesting that, that wizards can continue to find additional avenues for these sorts of mechanics. 
Yeah, they've been doing a great job lately. Uh, I recently heard somebody say that Guilds is the best set since Cons, and uh, then somebody immediately replied, Dominaria would like to remind you that that was just two sets ago. Again, Dominaria, another interesting take on a classic mechanic where they were bringing back Kicker, right? Kicker was an awesome mechanic, and they can always bring it back because it has a lot of design space. Now, there's some issues with Kicker that we'll probably have a full podcast episode on, but overall, it's a cool mechanic that every time they bring back, they generally have some new take on it. So I really like Venerated Loxodon. I think it's a cool card, and... I actually am a little disappointed that there aren't more effects like this in the set. I think this is the only Convoke card that cares about the creatures that you Convoke, and I feel like there's more direction they could go with that. For instance, maybe for each creature you Convoked when casting the spell, uh, gain a life. Or, like, there's not a lot of ways you could take it, but I feel like there's certainly a few more that they haven't quite explored. So maybe they're saving those for another set. Maybe those didn't play well, but I think that it's cool that they're trying new things, even if this is kind of the only one-off that we see in Guilds of Ravnica. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the, since we know that the next two sets will be Ravnica-based, how Convoke and the other guild mechanics may reappear in that third set. We'll see. We'll see how that pans out. Yeah, I'm still very curious what that third set is going to be. They, they haven't given us a name for it. We know it's going to be this showdown set between the Ravnica denizens and presumably Nicobolas and his army. You know, we saw this Amonkhet block where he gathered an army of zombies that are encased in Lazaket, Lazatep. Yep. Yeah, Lazatep, which in theory will let them travel to Ravnica, but we're not really sure to what end that is, and... Honestly, I think it would be a mistake if they had another set like Dragon's Maze that had all 10 guild mechanics in it. So I'm curious what they're going to do there because then you've also got this additional faction that has to presumably have its own mechanics. And I don't know, that that could get very complicated very quickly. I think Wizards has learned their mistakes or learned from their mistakes on having too many mechanics in a set and getting it overly complicated. So... Presumably, they're going to cut down the mechanics somehow. What that looks like, I'm not quite sure yet. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see how that pans out. But that being said, Guilds of Ravnica is awesome. I still don't think that's really the big news yet, is it? What else is going on? I mean, we both basically skipped Magic 19, right? <laughs> we did. We did both skip Magic 19. Did you Did you play any events at all? I very intentionally have not opened a single pack of Magic 19. Uh, I did I did a single friendly draft. I did not do well. Uh, <laughs> many of the cards in M19 did excite me. It just wasn't... I didn't find more opportunities to play it. In my case, it was because basically every set I open, I alphabetize and put in terms of color and make sure I've got a maximum of four copies of... And so it just creates a lot of extra work. And if I open any single individual set, it adds like another X number of cards to the card pool that I have to organize. So whenever a set comes out that I'm like, this looks interesting, but not for me, I'll generally try and skip it altogether so that I don't have to like 
Suddenly, while I'm sorting all of my Dominaria cards, oh, what are these random cards from M19 doing here? So I very intentionally kept off of it. Yeah, it is quite the dilemma. Interestingly, I think one of the focuses in returning core sets to the Magic set lineup was the introduction of hate cards. And so many of the cards I'm interested in in M19 tended to be those very specific hate cards. We see that with a lot of different stuff, like, like for instance, the, the Mare Cycle where we've got these random horses which, oh, happen to affect certain colors very specifically. It's just a very hateful cycle, and I think it shows you that this is Wizards acknowledging we need the core set to be able to put in answers to the things in the traditional sets. Yeah, there were many others at Rare, too. Uh, Isolate is a white spell that exiles a one-cost permanent, I think. Mistcaller, which ended up in one of my EDH decks. You know, sacrifice it until end of turn if a non-token creature would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast, exile it instead. Like, that is a very specific ability that is targeting a very specific type of deck and strategy. Yeah, for every for everyone who missed hate cards, I think they were all packed into that set. I think that the set definitely has a place in the world, and as my one of my friends who I brought into the game of Magic can attest, like as a newer player, he really liked playing M19 because it gave him a chance to kind of you know, not have as many complicated mechanics and be a slightly easier set, which basically for a lot of the reasons that it appealed to him, it didn't necessarily appeal to me. And that's that's how many sets go, right? There's nothing wrong with, a, you know, some sort of mixed reception of any given set. Yeah, exactly. Wizards needs to produce products that cater to different audiences. If they tried to cater to one audience in particular, they would fail every time. And I think Mark Rosewater has a really great phrase for this, which is, if everybody thinks your your card or set is okay, then you've probably failed. You want, some people might hate it, and you want those people to hate it, but you really want someone to love it. Like, you, if you can get one guy to love it and 100 people to hate it, the set's probably been a success. Yeah, there's something to be said for those Things that are so polarizing that they provoke a reaction rather than vanilla things that just kind of wash away. Exactly. And I may be paraphrasing the great Mark Rosewater there. Hopefully I was able to capture the essence of that that lesson that he has. You know, we skipped Core 19. Dominaria was awesome. Guilds of Ravnica seems awesome. Is there anything else really cool and exciting and big in the world? I don't know. Well, while you were off qualifying for the Pro Tour, I've been playing Arena with the promo code that was included in my pre-release pack. Mm-hmm. Okay. How has that been? Pretty good. I've never played Magic Online, which lots of people are comparing Arena to. I played an old Duels of the Planeswalkers PC game, not the <laughs> not the mobile phone app that is an introduction for new players. It was an old standalone Magic there was a puzzle game, and you could play bosses like Karn and Nicol Bolas. You know, I actually also had one of the Duels of the Planeswalker games, but the only reason I got it was because if you bought the game, you could go to your local card store with the like code from Steam, and they would give you a promo copy of Scavenging Ooze. And this was like when Scavenging Ooze was still super expensive and... 
basically a must include in any green EDH deck. And it was like cheaper to buy the game for like $15 than to buy a copy of Scavenging Ooze. <laughs> I'm really sorry that I missed out on that because I'm pretty sure that's the duels of the Planeswalkers I had. So I, I did not like that product. Uh, that product had a serious flaw tapping mana. Some things, I think it would always tap each of your basics. So if you had, you know, four mountains and four swamps, it would tap one of each every time with no regard to what you would want to save later, and you couldn't turn it off. And I haven't I haven't had that reaction often with Arena. I've had it a couple times, and when I have it, it seems like Arena is trying to lead me to cast... It's prioritizing a different spell in my hand or ability that I can cast than the one that I'm prioritizing when that comes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Arena does allow you to manually tap the mana first and then pay for your abilities or spells. So it seems like real magic. I've I've kind of enjoyed it, uh, and it's been a great way to it's been a great way to scratch the magic itch while I haven't been going to as many F and M's. Yeah, so I've definitely used MTGO in the past, and I actually did get a beta key for Arena, but I never ended up installing it. And I think what I've heard from a lot of people is Arena is like the magic equivalent of Hearthstone, where it basically gives you an opportunity to play magic in a way that is slightly more streamlined and prettier graphics, a nicer interface, less bugs in theory, or maybe the same number of bugs, but you have to give them the benefit of the doubt because it's still a quote-unquote beta. (laughs) I haven't run into too many of those aside from the occasional connection problem, which may not really be the software's fault. The comparisons to Hearthstone seem pretty apt. The only the the thing where I think Arena really falls short in that is Arena doesn't have a cell phone version, and I I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone on my cell phone, whereas Magic Arena is this uh, PC encompassing app. Yeah, and what I've heard is Arena is built on the same technology that Hearthstone is, and so once they're comfortable with the desktop client it won't be difficult for them to then export it to a phone version. I think it's built off of uh, Unity. That's exciting. It has been a little tricky trying to keep my paper Guilds of Ravnica collection separate in my head from my Arena Guilds of Ravnica collection. (laughs) And that is why I generally like to draft in person. Yeah. Because, yeah, that would get confusing for me. It, as, as introverted as we might be, nothing really compares to sitting down and playing a card game with a person across from you. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like you just get an opportunity to interact and have these awesome discussions and learn more about the people in the community. So personally, I prefer in-person magic to magic online, but obviously there's a place for both. And my guess is when I start prepping for the Pro Tour, I will be getting a lot more familiar with the MTGO client than I am currently. Also, I just have to give props to MTGO that uh, Momir Vig is such a fun format that would be impossible in real life, and I love playing that from time to time. Wow, that's a reference that completely goes over my head. Oh, uh, so Momir Vig, for listeners that might not be aware, is an MTGO exclusive format where you buy a Momir Vig token or avatar and You start the game at 24 life. You get the ability to pay X amount of mana and discard a card from your hand to get a random creature from the game of magic. It could be any creature. 
with that converted mana cost, you get a token of it on the battlefield. So let's say I decide to play a land. So your deck is only lands. There's no spells. It's just lands. So on turn one, you could play a land, tap for a mana, discard a card from your hand, and you'll get a one converted mana cost creature. Could be any creature, right? So the ideal creature would be Land War Elves because ramping in this format is super powerful since the higher you ramp, the higher access to that converted mana cost of creatures you get. There's no spells, it's just creatures that you get, and they're random. So let's say I tap six mana and discard a card from my hand. Since your deck's all lands, you're technically discarding a land. I could get a titan. Anything with converted mana cost six is an option. Uh, so it's a really fun format. There's actually a little bit of strategy to it. For instance, the creatures that enter the battlefield always are tokens. They're not actual creatures. So if you get to eight mana, generally you want to skip eight mana and either go at seven or nine, because at eight you could hit Phage the Untouchable. And if you get Phage, she reads, if this card was not cast from your hand, I believe, you lose the game. And you technically just get the token, so you automatically lose if you hit Phage at 8. It's a really fun format. It's exclusive to Magic the Gathering Online. I highly recommend it. Like, I initially only got into Magic Online because I saw Loading Ready Run playing Momir Vig years ago. And I think it's like $10 for the Avatar. And then you build a deck of just 60 lands. There's like a surprising amount of strategy in like which lands you pick because land walk is a thing, or activated abilities on creatures are a thing. It's a very interesting format. I highly recommend trying it out if you want to spend, I think, 10 bucks for MTGO and then 10 bucks for the Avatar. Give that a shot, people. It's a fun way to play Magic. But uh, there's still something else exciting going on in the world. I, I know that this isn't, this isn't everything that's happened in the last few months. What, what am I missing here? I don't know. I don't know, Matt. You've got me. I've got you? I don't... There's, there's something. Um, I know you've been busy lately. What, what, what's what been up with that? Why, why have we had so much difficulty uh, getting in touch? Well, I'm on paternity leave. Oh! Oh, I see. Well, congratulations, good sir. And uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about your, your, your new little one? Sure. Our daughter... Liliana uh, arrived, and that's part of the reason it's been so hard to play M19 uh, or more Guilds of Ravnica. But she's a joy. Uh, everything's going well. I'm a little sleep-deprived, uh, but I've, I've got some time off from work to make up for it. And that's one of the reasons that it's been so easy to uh, play Arena. I see. Well, congratulations. I, unfortunately, have yet to be able to meet Liliana. I have been very sick the last few weeks, including at GP Denver. Not very sick, but I have obviously not wanted to impart my illness onto your newborn child. I have seen pictures of Liliana. For those of you listening to this, I can attest she is adorable, and I cannot wait to meet her in person. <laughs> She's super adorable. We're going to fix that soon. And what Matt is too humble to say uh, is that he made this very thoughtful gift of a blanket for Liliana, and we were we were ecstatic, uh, and we just thought you'd ordered it off Etsy or something, but you actually learned to crochet to make my daughter a welcoming gift? To be fair, I made it very poorly. <laughs> if you try, like, before 
I gave it to you. I was folding it up to put it in the gift bag, and it does not like fold symmetrically. <laughs> I I don't know what you're talking about. You learned to crochet to make my daughter a blanket, and it's incredible. So so thank you very much, much Matt, for your thoughtfulness. Well, she is 100% worth it, and I just figured. Because you kept joking that you have a little planeswalker on the way. And so I just thought your planeswalker daughter had to have a, a planeswalker blanket. So I was like, all right, how do I make that? You did it very well. Yeah, hopefully it keeps her warm at night. But she is very healthy, very happy, I assume. Yep, she's doing great. Very good. And uh, and your wife as well? Yep, everybody's doing great. Uh, we're running on a little less sleep and it's some weird hours than we normally would, but everything's everything's going fine. Awesome. Well, I am very glad to hear that. Hopefully, the listeners are too. But yeah, uh, I think that's that's the big thing right now, right? I mean, there's this new little one in the world. For me, it's certainly the big thing. I was really excited at GP Denver. There's this guy that goes around to like all the team events, and he's got this mohawk, so like he stands out. And he's got these two twin, maybe five or six-year-old daughters. I'm not sure how old they are, but they're super young. And, like, he takes them around to all the GPs. I think they might even cosplay. And, like, it's so adorable. And when I saw it, actually, I meant to text you, and I accidentally texted your wife. Like, I can't wait for you. <laughs> I can't wait for you to have another kid so it can just be, like, a team of rigs showing up at the events. Like, with you as player B, and then, like, flanked on both sides by your children. I am so excited to see that happen someday. Well, apparently we need five or six years for Liliana, and then uh, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll recruit you, uh, Pro Tour Matt, and, uh, and put her in seat B. Yeah, I just, I think I could not be happier for you, for both you and your wife. I think that it's awesome that Liliana is in the world. I hope that you get a chance to teach her to play Magic. But yeah, either way, you've got an awesome planeswalking daughter. <laughs> we'll see whether it catches on. A lot of that's up to her, and uh, it'll, it'll take a while before we start to see what she's interested in. I think with that, uh, we're going to come to the end of the podcast. So we've got one last segment, which we're going to do every week. It is the Wheel of Fortune. So why don't you describe what the Wheel of Fortune is, Jerry? <laughs> So Magic's official card search tool online is called Gatherer, and it has this random card function. So every week we're just going to spin the Wheel of Fortune, see what random card Gatherer spits out for us, and we're just going to have a conversation about it. And this week, have we got a doozy. Oh boy, I'm excited. Hopefully we got a good one for the inaugural episode. This one is Brainstorm. I don't know wow. if we need to describe it. It's it's a classic spell. Uh, single blue mana for an instant. Draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. Wow, that is an awesome first Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, so Brainstorm, I mean, that's just a classic there. Yeah, it goes all the way back to Ice Age, though I most remember playing with it in Mercadian Masks. You know, I don't think I've ever played with it in a standard set. There's a reason for that. <laughs> That's true. So for those that are unaware, this was supposed to be the quote-unquote fixed version of Ancestral uh, ancestral Vision, Ancestral Vision, which was a blue mana, draw three cards, instant speed. 
That was a cycle in the original alpha set where for each color, it was one mana instant speed, do a thing three times. So we had in blue, Ancestral Vision. Absurdly powerful. Probably one of the most powerful cards in the, in the game. Uh, I believe it's technically considered part of the Power Nine. I think so. Is this, this is Ancestral Recall, right? Ancestral Vision was a take on it in a later set. Ancestral Recall was the original, I believe. Yeah, I think Ancestral Visions is the suspend spell. Yeah, which is another riff on Ancestral Recall. So, so Ancestral Recall, one blue, draw three cards, instant speed. Uh, the white version was one white, gain three life. Absurdly weak. Absurdly weak. Was that healing salve? Could it also prevent damage? The flexibility doesn't yes. matter. It's a terrible card. I believe that is correct. It's still a terrible card. We had Giant Growth, which for a while was like a standard staple, which was green, instant speed, target creature gets plus three, plus three. It's a fine card, but it's dependent on it's dependent on you having creatures, first of all, but it's fine after that. Right. And then we had the black one, which was... Dark Ritual. Dark Ritual. One black, instant speed, get well, three mana black source. mana. Yeah. Yeah, mana source. Uh, for one black, you immediately get three black mana, and that's just an absurd rate of mana ramp that you don't even see in green at this point. It enabled lots of aggressive black combo decks, or it allowed you to cast Necropotence on turn one. It's not quite as absurdly powerful as just drawing three cards, but it is absurdly powerful. Yeah, and we saw broken things like turn one Hypnotic Spectre, which... For a while, people thought Hypnotic Spectre was the problem. They were like, man, Hypnotic Spectre is just way too powerful. And it's like, uh, it's strong, but like, no, the real problem there is that you're doing it on turn one when it should be turn three or four. And the last one was Lightning Bolt, which is a classic modern staple. Slightly overpowered card. Yep. We don't see it in standard anymore. Yeah, format warping, to be sure. The ability to deal three damage for one mana just trades up for so many creatures, but still probably a step below Dark Ritual and two, three, seven, ten steps below Ancestral Rico. Yeah, and so Brainstorm was supposed to be the fixed version where, okay, you're still drawing three cards, but two of them have to go back, so it's not that bad. The thing that people didn't realize is that Start with the hand of 10 cards. Right. And then sequence your draws. You can technically get what's called brainstorm locked, where, you know, you put those cards back on top and then you have to draw them. But in the really powerful formats like Legacy and Vintage, the way you get around the brainstorm problem is by using fetch lands or some way to shuffle your deck. So you draw three cards, take two that you don't care about anymore, put them on top, shuffle them away. And suddenly, it's like you've drawn three cards because you've gotten the selection that you want. Instead of Ancestral Recall, draw three cards. It's um, Effectively, you're only drawing one card, but you're adding this incredibly powerful selection effect. We rarely see Scry 3 stapled onto things, which is kind of a similar effect. Yeah, and we see something like Dream Eater, for instance, in the current set. And Surveil 4 is just absurdly powerful. Like, it's a mythic rare. 
or we see Doom Whisper, another mythic rare, Surveil 2, Pay 2 Life. Like, these cards are incredibly powerful, and I still don't think they hold a candle to Brainstorm. Like, just one mana, you get to look at three more cards. Yeah. It's super strong. Draw a card, choose three or choose four. It's uh, very, very powerful. What an awesome classic spell to start on. Yeah, I think that's great. Awesome card, Brainstorm. I like it. It's a cool design. I mean, they certainly tried, right? You've got to give them credit for trying to make a fixed Ancestral Recall. Obviously, they didn't quite accomplish the goal there, but it's an interesting take on uh, how do we make this fixed. Yeah, absolutely. And so that brings us to the end of our episode for the week, folks. If you enjoy this podcast, please let us know on Twitter or Facebook at Musings with Mel or by email at musingswmel at gmail.com. This is new to us. We're recording, or rather putting out the first episode here. So if you've got any suggestions, advice, we would be happy to take any of it. Hopefully, folks have enjoyed this. Like I said, this is going to be a card design podcast. We decided we'd take this first episode to talk about what's been going on the last few months. But starting next week, we're going to have an interesting topic to discuss about magic card design. So I hope folks are ready for that. But with that, we will bid you folks adieu. Jerry, have any, uh, have any final words? No, ready to sign off. Thanks to all our listeners, and we'll catch you next week. Sounds good. See you, folks. Boop. <laughs>